So tonight, uh, I'm very, as I always am on Tuesday night, I'm uh, very, I feel very blessed and very happy to be here, uh, to sit with you, to uh, remember what, um, what I value most in this world, um, which is the um, truth and freedom and love. And so anytime I can remind myself of those uh, values, I'm, I'm a happy camper. Uh, so on one hand, I'm very happy to be here tonight, but on the other hand, uh, I'm also aware of the uh, absence of one of our uh, very regular Sangha members, uh, community members, a, a wonderful fellow named Carlos, who many of you may, notice, may know. Carlos is presently in the hospital uh, with, uh, it looks like, is it okay to say, looks like a series of brain tumors, and his uh, cognitive abilities are so impaired that it's not certain that he even knows what's happening to him. But Carlos is, and every one of us is, uh, is alive until we're not, but Carlos is a presence, is an alive presence. He is a a beam of, uh, he's a, he's a, the word that goes through my mind. And I know that many people here know him better than I do, uh, but he is the epitome of celebration. He is a celebration of life. Every time on Tuesday night when I share the Dharma, he's in his, whatever version is coming out that night, he's saying hallelujah. And it is so, and so I feel loved every week that he's here and feel as though we're sharing in a kind of kindred dance of, of appreciation of, of life and the mystery and, and all of that. And uh, so I'm kind of heartbroken that he's not here, and, uh, and it's possible that he might not ever be here again. And that's, that's heartbreaking. And it is the way it is. And, of course, I don't know, but... Uh, Unfortunately, uh, this is another one of those fortunate or unfortunate. Unfortunately, tonight, Carlos, uh, who is Mr. Celebration, who is, who is a poet, who is a, um, just a, a lover and appreciator of the, of the little details of life, uh, he is our, um, our teaching tonight. He is our, what the Buddha called... Uh, a heavenly messenger. And it's interesting for me because last week I, I, talked about, uh, I talked about the state of union, the state of, state, because it was state of the union night, and even though our, our talk did not record last night, last week, I talked about the state of union, how it is, it is close at hand. It is, uh, it is a split second away. It is a, available to us when we are um, when we are, our minds are free of confusion and um, and not so much in a state of looking for union elsewhere, and that this is what the the Buddha realized: this state of union, this cessation of suffering. He realized uh, through his his own practice. But what really turned him, what initially turned him toward the search 
for something more reliable than what he had uh, searched for before, that something more reliable than the methods he had used to find happiness and found, and found only dissatisfaction, what he used, what turned him toward the Dharma, was the confrontation that he had, the reality uh, that he was faced with, uh, the reality of, of sickness, old age, and death. These are not um, popular subjects, but they are those. They are considered heavenly messengers because they remind us of what our our nature is. They remind us of what every person who is born, if you are born, it will be. It is the leading cause of sickness, old age, and death. It's just it's just the way it goes, and. This has to be, this for him was a constant reminder. In fact, he had this reflection. He says, if I am, because he realized that not, he just didn't see an older person, a person who was extremely ill. He didn't just see a corpse. He reflected on it and he said, well, is this going to happen to me? And we often try to fly by that question kind of quickly, but he stopped and asked that question. And he realized, yes, this will happen to me. And then he saw, thought that everything that he seemed to search for to find relief was also subject to uh, impermanence and unreliability. So he says, if that, if, if what I have identified myself with this body and this life, if I'm subject to decay, and what I search for to find relief is also subject to decay, there's no rest in that. There's no... There's, there's, I can't find any peace in that. What's this life all about? What should I do? And what it led him to do is to, rather than continue as, the, as that hungry, longing being, looking outside oneself for relief, he fortunately saw the fourth heavenly messenger, which was a, a mendicant, a, a renunciate, someone who, who by their... Uh, their lifestyle by the way that they lived expressed a, a love of, of the contemplative life, a love of simplicity, a love of renunciation, a love of, of, of wholesomeness. And he took that as, a, as a, a reminder that it's possible perhaps to find um, through where we place our attention what we do with our mind, what we do with our body, it may be, it may be possible, even in this very life, to find a reliable sense of relief and not be walking around spinning in confusion. So he found that, um, as I mentioned last week, there were three things that he could put his trust in. He could put his trust, couldn't put it in his body, except he thought it was a good idea to have it be strong, couldn't put his trust in, in the experiences of the senses because they're always coming and going very rapidly. And he couldn't even... Uh, he, there was nothing that he could experience in his mind or his body that would ever last. And so he realized that the only place he could put his trust in the, is in the knowing of that is in being aware and conscious. And this is what it means to take refuge in the Buddha, to be, take refuge in being awake. And secondly, he uh, realized that what would help him stay awake 
is to put ref is and to live in harmony with being able to live in harmony with life as it's presenting itself rather than being in contention with reality is that he had to take refuge in things the way they are. So that was the truth called the Dharma. And third, what would, what would really support him, what would support any of us to keep being, to remind ourselves of the reliable refuge of being aware, present, to open to the truth rather than be in a constant state of complaint, constant state of wanting things to be different than the way they are, then we need to keep the company of others who will remind us of that, of that possibility of, of being, in a, being awake in this very life, being uh, awake and free of contentiousness, free of that constant complaint. So the, to take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. And how he, and so what he, what he reminded us of is that, um, that, that, that potential of being free is here. But we have to open to that second, uh, that second reliable refuge, second jewel called open to the Dharma, the truth. And at the heart of the Dharma, the heart of the liberating insight of a Buddha is, uh, again, this is all about the way it is, is that everything that has the nature to arise has the nature to pass away. All conditioned things are subject to change and impermanence. And no matter how much we love someone, love our life as it is, love the people in our life, love the conditions that we find. No matter how near and dear our own precious body is subject to impermanence and change. And to live in harmony with this, we have to welcome it. We have to open to it. We can't... Um, because to, to not to be in harmony with this brings not only the, 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 the inevitable suffering of loss and illness and old age, but the uh, resistance to it, the rope burn that comes from uh, not opening to it. So all of us, no matter... Uh, no matter how much we practiced, I still, each, each time uh, someone in my life falls ill, each time I'm faced with the potential, and when I hear about Carlos being faced with the potential of his uh, demise, I know it's almost surreal talking about it. I'm sorry, you know, it's, um, uh, it's, it's a heavenly messenger because there is a, a part of me and maybe there's a part of you too that's in denial. There's a part of there's a part of all of us that that are governed by a kind of self-deception. Like I was, I think I even spoke about last week about that that very pithy question that was asked in the Bhagavad Gita: "What's the most wondrous thing in this world?" And the answer given: the most wondrous thing in this world is that people are getting sick and dying around us every day, millions, billions. In fact. 
I don't know if this isn't in the Bhagavad Gita, but if you consider that within a hundred years, all seven billion of us will be replaced. It is happening around us every day, but somehow we don't think it's going to happen to us. And that's, it's just a marvel. So I, I almost speak through my own resistance to, uh, to this reality, and definitely the resistance to opening to Carlos being, uh, being in such a, a difficult state. And I'm, so I just feel so, um, I have heartache right tonight, and I know any of you who know him share that. But forgetting for a moment, forgetting a moment, uh, the heavenly messengers and the, and the teaching moment in, in this, it's, it's important to, to highlight that. But right now, it's also important to remember that Carlos is, is alive. Carlos is way alive. And uh, Linda showed me a picture of Carlos today, looking as, as sweet and and heartful and just as clever as, as ever. And uh, he needs our loving kindness. And we, we feel a little bit of the, even if you don't know Carlos, you may feel a connection just hearing about him tonight because we truly don't exist apart from each other. And so our thoughts, our words, our actions have an impact in all cases, because we're not, none of us are, di- are apart from each other. But I'm reminded again that um, when I think of interdependence, is anything that we consciously, with volition, in, in, uh, direct toward Carlos, I think he'll be able to feel. And I know there's lots of studies that have been done about remote healing and prayers and the power of it. So if all of you right now uh, could hold uh, Carlos, just think of Carlos as kind of white-haired and big-bearded and a little bit like uh, the Mission District's version of Santa Claus. And with an impish grin and a little sparkle in his eyes, a touch of, uh, of Yoda, but... <laughs> And just hold him in your, in your heart, in your mind's eye, however you sense him or imagine him to be. And with all the power that you have to gather, since all of us have the, we're all imbued with, the, with infinite power, to direct it for at least for these moments, envelop uh, Carlos in your loving kindness and your caring. and open to the possibility of of the, the miracle of his healing and health, but at least wish him with all your heart that he can flow with whatever presents itself and that his heart will be at ease and he will be well. You can with all the depth of caring, wish him to be happy and peaceful and to feel safe in this process of his life.
with himself and with the beings around him. And he's able to accept his uh, whatever physical limitations with grace. And that his heart is at ease. And that it's, he's just showered and filled with loving kindness and compassion. Just all the light that you have, all the love. Knowing, as Hafez put it when he, in his poem, where he said, How did the rose ever open its heart and give to this world all its beauty? It felt the encouragement of light against its being. Otherwise, we all remain too frightened. So shed, shower light, love, any healing energy on Carlos. Even that sound of the phone he would interpret as music, the music of life, the wildness of sound. May Carlos be at ease. May all our love be the cause of health, healing, and peace. Ricardo's. And not forgetting for one moment uh, all those who are near and dear to Carlos, who may be experiencing the sense of, of fear, the sense of potential loss, sense of concern, sense of heartbreak. Shower all Carlos's near and dear ones with loving kindness and caring, compassion. And while we're at it, let's bring into our hearts and minds all beings right now that are in hospitals or in difficult circumstances and all their near and dear ones who have concern, and that may include all of us. Showering all beings in all circumstances with all the loving kindness that we can generate. Loving kindness is the face of emptiness, is the expression of wisdom. It all comes down to love. May Carlos and all beings be touched with loving kindness. May all beings be free of suffering.
So while we're on Carlos, um, I, would, uh, I brought along one of his poems tonight. It's a reminder of, of, um, of our, at least to me, it's a reminder of our practice. The purpose of coming out of the tangle of confusion and, as Rumi put it, spreading out wider and wider. He says, why do you stay in prison when the door is so wide open? Come out of the tangle of fear thinking, live in silence, flow down and down and down in ever-widening rings of being. Which means the, the natural fruit of being present and open, being with life as it is, is it unleashes our capacity to care for one another, to respond to one another, to offer ourselves when we're in the narrow vortex or the narrow uh, gravitational field of, of uh, being caught in the wheel of, of searching, of just always uh, looking for that experience that'll set us free innocently and just wind and spinning in it, spinning and spinning and spinning, we, we, lose, our, we lose our connection with our surroundings, lose our, our responsiveness. So Carlos, this is, a, this is what Carlos is, one of his poems that I think expresses beautifully what we're doing here in his nature. It's called Question. What can I offer the world today as one of those beings who loves to sway? As a flower, a tree who reveres the breeze, Plus the gifts of sunstar power, what can I offer the world today? What can I offer the world today as a leaf, as a bee, as a simple me, an ABC of inexplicable mysteries? What can I offer the world today? So, how many of us wake up in the morning and ask, what can I offer the world today? Isn't it usually, what can I get from the world today? What can I acquire can I get people to love me, accept me, worship me, tell me I'm the greatest, at least tell me to, that I'm not the worst? So, uh, To me, this is, uh, this is a beautiful gift. What can I offer the world today? I'm going to notice what my mind does tomorrow morning because... It'll often start running through the to-do list or what's wrong or, oh, you know, whatever the dread is. But to have the first thought of the day, what can I offer the world today? So that's Carlos. So how can we all come to, to let that love express itself? Of course, it... The Buddha said that, uh, that we have to start with uh, directing loving-kindness to ourselves. He says you could scan the world in all directions and not find anyone more deserving than oneself. But we often treat ourselves with um, just with hideous meanness and criticism and and often spin, I keep using the word spin, we spin 
in a um, in habits of mind that just complicate our lives, that just that cloud our cloud us from the truth. And what seemed really useful to me when I heard the the teachings originally were the te- the Buddha's teachings on what he called papancha. And the word papancha is the word for complication, elaboration, proliferation, uh, embellishment. And, and this is what our minds are somehow trained to do. And it seems that the more disconnected that any of us become from our emotional bodies, more disconnected from nature, uh, disconnected from intimacy, the more out of love for ourselves our mind searches for a solution. And unfortunately, it searches for a solution in the world of our imagination, in the world of thinking. And the thinking tends to lead to the, the virtual version of ourselves that I speak about a lot here, the, 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 the imaginary one, the imaginary version of ourselves, the one who doesn't even really exist, that is, uh, that's never quite right. And there's not one person in this room who is never quite right. There's, I should put it another way, there's not one person in this room who is ever quite wrong. There's nobody here that's really fundamentally flawed. That's not okay. The only way that we ever know we're not okay is because we start thinking that we're not okay. Absent that thought, there's nobody here that has evidence. So we never find bondage. We never find any terrible person on present evidence. It's always because we've consulted our memory and because we have fed into that world of proliferation, the world of complication, which is our... which is the, it's not just our thinking mind. Our thinking mind is a wonderful thing, and it's very useful. But it's the mind that spins the story of me. It's the mind that is, is, is conspiring to make that one acquisition that will make me truly happy. That's conspiring to uh, fix all my flaws so then I can be happy that's conspiring to get the whole world to agree with me on everything about how it's supposed to be. Do any of you ever dwell in any of those? The great acquisition, become the greatest, become the, well, I forgot the, what the second one was, but the third one, get everybody to agree with you. Or You ever spin out in views and opinions? <laughs> ever spin out about... Um, about all that you need to improve and fix and heal and defend and protect and build up and so this is all this is papancha the buddha basically talked about three kinds that keep us from our hearts that keep us from a state of love yet these very same kinds of papancha or complication when they are noticed, as is everything when it's noticed, is very much, is very similar to when the light shines on that rose. 
That's what allows the rose to open. So when the light shines on the kinds of the ways that our mind works, we make the very profound shift from being just carried along into that narrow world of our thinking to noticing, wow, look at I've just made up a version of myself like this, this um, rhymes, uh, the rhymes with war- the rhymes with orange checklist to feeling pathetic. This is one version. And there are different, six different captions. Choose someone and compare yourself to them unfavorably. Second, examine your face closely in the mirror. Note all flaws. Third, relieve embarrassing, awful moments that occurred years ago. Four, make a mental note of all the people you regularly disappoint. Next one, Disregard all compliments, especially from people who supposedly love you. (laughs) And then last one in this particular version. Resign yourself to believing that from now on, this is how you will always feel. You ever have that one? So the three kinds of papancha that we need to pay attention to put a light on are the, the papancha around our um, what the Buddha called tanha papancha, which is the, the papancha of, of uh, craving for things to be different, craving what we don't have, and just the, the spinning in fantasy, just the fantasizing mind. What a wonderful thing to be able to enjoy the fantasizing mind, to be able to notice that we're doing it as opposed to just being carried along being lost in that daydream of a better of a better life when in fact what that daydreaming does according to statistics actually the daydreaming actually makes the present life that we're living uh, less alive less rich less enough uh, so that's call it tanha papancha and, and it comes it's the, the reverse of the tanha is not always craving it's it also comes in the flip side of aversion. All of our angry, complaining, negative, judging, uh, just notice how your mind spins. And to me, this, is, this has to be acknowledged, that a thought of whatever the thought about yourself or another is just not reality. And in fact, it obscures reality that's really really in its truth even even though our embellishments actually add a certain kind of richness to life it adds a certain kind of it makes it all seem kind of dramatic but really there's just six things happening even tonight in the midst of this heart felt heartbreaking moment there is really only as the buddha put it there's seeing the consciousness of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling, thinking, and the, and the consciousness of these are coming and going, moment by moment. Only six experiences in the fundamental truth of life, repeating themselves over and over. It basically comes down to very simple. And so those six experiences are all in their bare reality. If we understand it, this moment moment-to-moment experience is quite workable. But what's less workable is all the embellishments that get added to it. 
all the, the stories that get added to it. And the worst problem is that the stories get mistaken for the true reality. And we, we miss and then we lose ourselves. Another one of the very pithy insights that the Buddha had that he shared in, in, his, um, in one of his uh, conversations that he had with a, with a student, he described how all of us can learn to live in reality, to learn to live in harmony with reality and to be able to see the difference between what's actually happening and our embellishments, our, the ways that we complicate it. And this was his conversation with a student named Bahia. This is a famous little short discourse. And it, you have to, it's something that you have to contemplate, but I thought I'd share it with you. Then Bahia, this must you train yourself. This is the way you need to train yourself. In the seen, there is just what is seen. In the heard, there is just what is heard. See, I can feel, even as I say this, it helps bring me closer to reality. In the seen, there is just what's seen. In the heard, just what's heard. In the sensed, just what's sensed. In the imagined, just what's imagined. Thus, you will have no thereby. That is how you must train yourself. Now, by here, when in the seen, there will be to you just what is seen. In the heard, just what is heard. In the imagined, just imagined. In the cognized, just what's cognized. Then, by here, you will have no thereby. First, he said there is no therein. And after the second one, he says, by here, you will have no thereby, and you will have no therein. And as you, by here, will have no therein, it follows that you will have no here, or beyond, or midway between. This is the end of suffering. So he's reminding us that it is the therein, this means this, thereby, Therein, I need to get here, I need to go there, I need to become this. With the absence of those, no, there's no here, no beyond, no midway in between. This is the end of suffering. We come to the end of suffering in the moment we open to life, just as it is. Just as it is. Moment by moment, and you can hear from this, is it doesn't mean you stop imagining, but you see, oh, imagination is imagination. You don't stop thinking about your near and dear ones, but you notice, I'm thinking about my near and dear ones. It's just what it is. It doesn't mean you stop feeling heartbroken when someone's not well. You just feel heartbroken. It doesn't become, therefore, this... It, you don't have to... It doesn't have to be embellished. So nothing has to be gotten rid of. We simply open to our immediate experience. So whatever you're feeling tonight, it's, can it just be what it is? With no thereby, no therein, nothing extra. 
And then even our deep loss, even our fear of someone, uh, someone or our own illness, stops being suffering. It starts being heartache or loss, grief or joy or whatever it is. It's just what it is. So the Dharma is not about making a new life, uh, um, making another world. It's just inhabiting the one we're in, inhabiting the body that we're in. And how far do we have to travel to do that? Nowhere. Just settle in for the truth of how it is right now. See, I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to remind myself because all day I've been... My wife has got a terrible sciatica pain and there's all, all these things that I, I've been uh, therein and there buying all day. And, and okay, this is how it is. And I'm finally kind of surrendered to... And I don't like the idea of... of uh, I don't like thinking about, um, about Carlos... But when I don't add any therein, thereby, it's just Carlos. And that's how it is. So that's the end of ill. In the scene, just what's seen. In the heard, just what's heard. The smell, just what's smelled, tasted, touched, cognized, imagined. No therein, no thereby. This is the end of dukkha, the end of suffering. So we've gone over, I apologize, but I I would like to read one last poem in honor of Carlos, uh, because I think this really expresses him. And it's uh, just about being yourself, because he's so quintessentially Carlos. He has Carlosness. And just as you have whatever your version is, this is... Uh, I forgot her name now. I think it's, she's often read, it's called Wild Geese, um, Mary Oliver. You do not have to be good. I get claustrophobic just thinking about trying to be good. Right, sorry, that's not Mary Oliver. <laughs> you do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, No matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. So may we all remember our own version of Carlosness. May Carlos be free of suffering. May Carlos be at ease, and may we all be at ease. And may our practice here 
and any benefits, any fruits, any goodness, any merit, any blessings that have arisen from our practice be dedicated to the welfare and benefit of all beings, and especially tonight, Carlos. May all beings be liberated. Thank you for your prayers for Carlos, and thanks for your practice, and thanks for your generosity, and hope to see you next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.